You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. I'm here today with Dr. Maria Mascarenas, the Medical Director of the Integrative Health Program at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, the Medical Director of Clinical Nutrition, and the Section Chief of Nutrition in the Division of GI at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Katie. And we're going to be talking today about integrative medicine. I'm going to start with a little bit of background. The World Health Organization defined health in 1948 as a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. As clinicians, we're trained thoroughly in recognizing and treating diseases, and often see the well state as a baseline that does not need active maintenance. Often, our focus is exclusively on the physical health of our patients. Integrative medicine, though, is a healing-oriented medicine that takes into account the whole person and emphasizes the therapeutic relationship between the practitioner and patient, is informed by evidence, and makes use of all appropriate therapies. So, some of my first questions for you are that the skeptics among us hear integrative medicine and imagine a healer burning incense, mixing herbs, and doing acupuncture. So tell us, what does an integrative medicine practitioner look like in 2017? In 2017, an integrative medicine practitioner looks like you and me, Mm -hmm. because I think that um, the kind of pediatrics some of us are practicing and some of us hopefully will practice is integrative, Mm -hmm. meaning that you look at the whole patient, mind, body, and soul in the context of their family and the environment you live at. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, when you see a patient, you really want to make sure that their acute symptoms are taken care of, but also they're growing well, mm-hmm. they're developing normally, they're sleeping well, they're eating right, they're, they're physically active, right. um, they aren't stressed out, they have downtime, and that their family is also able to take care of them. There's no food insecurity, mm-hmm. and that they have an active relationship you know, with the community, they're doing well in school. So does that sound like things you would be doing in pediatrics? Yep. Yes, it's like all of us in pediatrics want to do that. And I think what integrative medicine is, is it, it brings all that into the forefront and makes us focus on all those things. So when I see a patient for integrative medicine, I not only look at whatever symptoms or disease condition brought them there, I look at what can I be doing for sleep, physical activity, nutrition, and kind of target the the, the treatment plan mm-hmm. to include all those all those aspects as well. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes, definitely. How commonly do families use integrative medicine, and what do you think is driving that interest? So f- there was an NIH survey in 2007, and then they repeated it in 2012. Mm-hmm. And the number's been about steady. 11 to 12% of all patients nationwide have used some form of Um, integrative therapies. Mm. And I think in part, um, patients are using this because one, they're not satisfied with traditional medicine. Mm -hmm. Two, um, maybe they have a cultural bias or they come with, you know, 
uh, culturally they've used other things. Um, so I think that um, there, there are a lot of reasons why people are using it. And when we look at what modalities are being used the most often, it's uh, typically um, yoga is the highest. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, other things are non-vitamin, non-mineral diet supplements, chiropractic, osteopathic manip- manipulation, mm-hmm. tai chi or qigong. Mm-hmm. And the most common indications were back pain, neck pain, head, chest colds, anxiety, stress, and musculoskeletal conditions. Mm. And if you think about it, there were recent guidelines that came out from, um, I think, the Academy of Family Practitioners, mm-hmm. uh, where they talked about um, for back pain, the first thing you should try before you try medications is yoga or acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And that's such a big difference then, right. you know, pretty much everyone goes to medications first where they're saying before you try medications, mm-hmm. try this. Mm-hmm. Right, and we know we're in a big opioid epidemic too, yes. and we're thinking a lot about how to use those appropriately. And so whenever you can use something that's not an opioid and certainly something like yoga, that's a, a great first stop. Yeah, and I think you uh, raised on something, you brought something up and I wanna mention it for our audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, what integrative medicine uh, does is it's not just treating disease, it's empowering uh, wellness Mm -hmm. and health and also teaching people and families some um, self-healing and ways to heal without coming to the doctor Mm -hmm. and so I think that's that's uh, kind of key is this promotion of wellness Mm -hmm. so that you don't get sick right Uh, and also to for for people to to be able to self-heal and I bring that up only because with pain, mm-hmm. if I can look at my pain differently, I may not need as many medications. Right. And for me, just you know, a, t- a Tylenol might be enough mm-hmm. to treat my pain as opposed to going to the doctor and, and, and being examined and, and doing the mm-hmm. whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that it's very important, I think, even for parents to model behaviors mm-hmm. um, where children learn that life is not perfect, you're gonna have some pain, and mm-hmm. there's some things you're gonna have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Integrative medicine is a bit of an umbrella term. There are a lot of disciplines underneath that. So which of those are licensed? Okay, so when you think of integrative health, really um, the NIH divides it into three categories. Mm -hmm. One is natural products, mind-body practices, and then other, which is the traditional healers. Mm -hmm. So let's start off with the traditional healers. So there is, um, you can be trained in Ayurveda, you can be trained in traditional Chinese medicine, Mm -hmm. um, homeopathy, naturopathy, there are courses that you, there are licensure, et cetera. for a mind-body practices, there are there is pediatric yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's any certification uh, mm-hmm. or licensure, but mm-hmm. but but there are programs that you can go to, to and train. so to train right for specific uh, conditions. Mm-hmm. Chiropractic and osteopathic manipulation. There are clearly programs where you train and you can get licensed. And a nice way is to go to the state where you live in mm-hmm. and look to see what what our licenses are. So, for example, here at Chop, the acupuncturists that are on board are all licensed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've gone and the uh, state licensure make sure that you have um, that you have um, so many hours of CME and mm-hmm. continuing continuing medical practice, etc. So I think that uh, there are definitely more and more of these modalities where there are guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's an important thing for patients. So I always say if you want to find if you want to uh, find a practitioner outside of job look to see are they licensed mm-hmm. um, and in the state that, that, that you're living in. Right. 
you mentioned who's licensed here. So what disciplines does CHOP currently offer and in what settings uh, can okay. we find them? So we, our program here at CHOP really is looking at um, the patient, the fa family, staff, and the community. Mm -hmm. And so for the patient right now, the um, practitioners we have are uh, acupuncturists. So we have Dr. Winona Chua and mm -hmm. we have Julie um, uh, Schultz, who's another uh, practitioner. So we have licensed acupuncturists on, mm -hmm. on, on staff. Um, our physical therapists are actually doing uh, massage therapy mm -hmm. uh, in the NICU and other places. Um, we have uh, yoga therapists um, on board mm -hmm. um, who, who have done some one-on-one -on -one yoga classes with patients. Mm -hmm. um, we, um, so those I think are the big, and then we have psychology. Psychology mm -hmm. does a whole bunch of things. So I think they're the other modality that's mm -hmm. here that's, that's uh, licensed and, and approved. So we, our programs right now, our clinical programs uh, are really, we have a food reactions clinic where we see children with food reactions that are not allergy related, that are not GI related like celiac or mm -hmm. IBD or IBS. These are kids who have these reactions and no one knows what they are, mm -hmm. but they're real, uh, they're there. The parents, yeah. the children have it, they come to your office for it. And so we have an allergist, uh, dietitian and myself, and we sit and we, me interview the family and then we come up with plans mm -hmm. uh, for how to take care of the food reactions and, and we do testing to try and sort things out. Mm -hmm. uh, the other clinic we have is an integrative nutrition clinic where we see kids on very restricted diets uh, who need blenderized tube feeds mm -hmm. and then our goal really is to make sure that children are getting a balanced diet that they're not at risk for micronutrient deficiency mm -hmm. um, and that they're growing well. Uh, kids who go there uh, they're seen by a dietitian. If they're not, if the dietitian's not happy with what's going on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, she feels that there's something more going on. Then usually they end up getting referred to one of us um, as practice. We have also got integrative gastroenterology clinic where we mm -hmm. see kids with GI illnesses who want an integrative approach, okay. and that's when we incorporate all the things I mentioned earlier, uh, which has been helpful for several patients. Mm -hmm. I would say we have a waiting list now, so it's mm -hmm. hard to get everyone in. And then the last program is our acupuncture program, mm -hmm. uh, which is outpatient at this point. We see patients on Tuesdays in the morning and the afternoon, and our goal is to expand it inpatient as well mm -hmm. uh, for the patients who need um, pain management mm -hmm. um, or acupuncture to complement um, what they're doing. And mm -hmm. I should go back to one point that I didn't make earlier when we talked about what is integrative medicine. Mm -hmm. Integrative medicine used to be called complementary and alternative medicine. Mm -hmm. And I think at CHOP what we want to do is we, we're not practicing alternative medicine mm -hmm. for sure, but we're integrating these modalities as complementary and otherwise may have been called alt alternative modalities. We're integrating them into traditional care. Mm -hmm. So patients can get a blend of those modalities as well as uh, traditional allopathic medicine under one umbrella in one chart and epic. So if I'm treating your patient, you know exactly what I recommended. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's all an epic. So it's all it's all one place. And it's really because there's there's no question if you had an infection I'm not gonna. I'm gonna put you on an antibiotic. I'm not gonna recommend some essential oil or something mm -hmm. like that or prayer. Right. I'm not gonna recommend that. But I might say, okay, take your antibiotic that Dr. Lockwood presented. But maybe for the pain, instead of taking a pain med, maybe you can you can do a little bit of lavender seeds in a bag, or mm -hmm. maybe your sleeps, or maybe nutrition-wise hydration. Or we, I might give you 
uh, some other suggestions to complement. Right. Uh, so I'm working together. Work it's not one or the other. You don't have to pick a side. That's right. Right. That's right. That's right. right. And I think the biggest thing is for us at CHOP, and that's the goal of the program, is to make sure there's an open environment mm -hmm. so patients feel comfortable telling their doctors. And on the other side, doctors feel comfortable hearing about what their patients are doing mm -hmm. right. and then being having the resources to help figure out what's going on, whether there's any harm being uh, provided. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned things like lavender seeds. So sometimes in primary care, we hear about patients who are using complementary medicine, um, vitamin supplements and things like that, that we may not know much about. And we may not know what the whether or not these things are regulated um, or what any unintended side effects may be. So what should clinicians do when they have a patient who talks to them about a complementary medicine that they're using that we don't know much about? Where can we find more information? So um, the NIH has an excellent website. Um, it's an outward-facing website for parents, healthcare professionals, mm -hmm. and periodically they do reviews on common topics mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and on common agents. For example, they've done a review on melatonin mm -hmm. and fish oil, and it's very, they present the information very nicely as to what helps, what doesn't help, what conditions, along with a reference list. Great. So that's an excellent source. Uh, the AAP has a committee, and I think they've come, been coming out with documents on yoga and mindfulness and the, the evidence for those. And I think there'll be more documents like them coming out. So I mm -hmm. think the AAP and the NIH are great, great websites. Mm -hmm. websites. Uh, there is something called consumer database mm -hmm. um, that also reviews, critically reviews uh, herbal supplements, etc. So that's another place. But at CHOP, we have a pharmacist who's attached to our program mm -hmm. who we go to if we have patients who are on funky things that we don't know enough about. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, she helps us. Like she'll pull the literature and she'll help us decide whether this is not good good, whether mm -hmm. we should replace it with an alternative. Mm -hmm. um, so that is another resource. And right. I think the education is a big part. We've uh, tried to um, uh, provide education. So we have the uh, pediatric and integrative medicine and residency program that we mm -hmm. offer to um, eight non-residents a year. Mm -hmm. um, and we just have enrolled our third batch. Mm -hmm. So we have that. We had a program from the uh, National Institute for Primary uh, Care. They had a Modules, so we offered that free of charge, and I mm -hmm. think we had about thirty people from CHOP take it. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so, edu and then we have nutrition sem uh, integrative health seminar on the third Wednesday of every month, except for the summer months, mm -hmm. where we have a topic. People give a talk on integrative medicine. So mm -hmm. we are trying to also educate our community. Right. Those lectures are archived, so mm -hmm. people can go listen to them if they happen to miss the lectures. Great. Those are some great resources. We talk a lot about the mind-body connection, especially in our adolescent patients, and more so in some conditions than others. So are there particular diagnoses that benefit more from integrative medicine than others? So as I pointed out earlier, integrative medicine can be applied to everything, mm -hmm. right? Because if you think of sleep, right. uh, sleep hygiene and nutrition and physical activity, every one of our patients can mm -hmm. benefit. But I think the mind-body connection is getting more um, um, more press, so to speak, mm -hmm. because of what we're finding out. And I think it, we should probably 
rename it the mind-body-gut connection mm -hmm. only because now we're learning the importance of the microbiome and things like mental health, right. um, important the microbiome in the immune system mm -hmm. and in the endocrine system. And I think it's all kind of connected mm -hmm. and we're one giant organism and you can't really separate out things. Right. Uh, but I think that pain, pain, control of pain, mm -hmm. um, headaches, migraine, irritable bowel, mm -hmm. anxiety, depression, there's a lot that can be done from an integrative standpoint yeah. uh, and with less harm than medications actually. Right. Yeah. Great. You mentioned before that integrative medicine also takes into account physician wellness and residencies are researching and starting more discussion about resident burnout, but this is a pretty new focus for many practicing physicians who are farther out from residency. So how can we as busy outpatient providers develop a practice that improves our own wellness and that of our colleagues? Okay, what we are doing at CHOP is we have free yoga classes mm -hmm. for any person who works at CHOP. Um, at Maine on Wednesdays and Thursday uh, evening, early evening. Uh, almost every satellite center now, um, like Voorhees, King of Prussia, Brandywine, they mm. have yoga as well one day a week for the mm. staff over there. Uh, we also have mindfulness uh, sessions. On Monday, it's an in-person session. It's a half hour, it's in Colcott. Mm. And then on Friday, it's a phone call. That it's a phone number that you call. It's 12 to 12:15, and there's a teacher who leads a mindfulness session. It's very quick, 15 minutes, and you can anyone from the end from within the CHOP system, satellites, care, you know, care, uh, care network, anyone can call in and uh, for that session. We are actively planning a learning link module on on mindfulness that people can um, go on and 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 complete. There'll be two parts to it. And then we're working with the Penn Center for Mindfulness to come up with a short two to three hour course that people can take on and then be able to sign up for a longer course. No. Uh, that would be a you know typical MBSR uh, st uh, stress reduction course over eight weeks. Uh, so we're partnering that. We're also coming up with um, a tweens and teen co course in partnership with them. We're hoping to be able to offer that on CHOP campus for uh, teenagers and then maybe next year for teenagers and their parents having two groups at the same time wow. so you have yeah. a lot going on we have a lot going on but CHOP is a big place and right. there's so much that needs to be done I think yes. Mm -hmm. yes so where can people find that sort of calendar of events that you just referenced of all the things that are going on so how will we know what's happening within your program? So we are building our intranet site. We have an, we have an intranet site, mm -hmm. but we are building our intranet site. Um, and um, with, and all these, there'll be a calendar of events and everything will be on there. We actually right. have a symposium that's we're uh, gonna have this September, September 15th, it's a Friday. So if anyone wants to come, please, please mark your calendars. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna be an all day for healthcare professionals on Friday. Mm -hmm. And on Saturday, it's gonna be for parents. Great. Uh, and the, par the parent one will be a three and a half hour session where we're gonna have like a, a brief introduction and then it'll be like an expo where they're gonna be hands-on activities that they can participate in. Mm -hmm. Kind of like taking your kids on a field trip. Right. So if they want to um, listen to, um, uh, or be exposed to acupuncture or yoga or mindfulness, we'll be, we'll be having some aromatherapy, we'll be having some hands-on sessions. Great, so they can try things out and see Absolutely. if it's for them. Absolutely, yes. Great. Most of our listeners work in very busy primary care offices that aren't at mean, um, where there's many patients to see, significant administrative duties to squeeze in in between. 
in their few free minutes during the day, how can they integrate some self-care practices? Okay, this is great. Um, there are some simple things that one can do. There's something called the relaxation breath. Mm-hmm. It's a four, seven, eight breath where you breathe in for four, count of four, through your nose. You hold your breath for a count of seven, and then you breathe out like a whale with a whooshing sound okay. for the count of eight. And uh, there's data showing that what this breath does is it decreases sympathetic tone and increases parasympathetic tone. Hmm. So it tries to reverse the whole stress response. So that's a very simple breath. Mm -hmm. You can do the 20 breath, which is you focus on breathing, focus on the air going in through your nose and coming out of your nose. For a count of 10, you go up to 10, Mm -hmm. and then you count backwards down to 10 as well. So it's 20 breaths. So that's very easy, Mm -hmm. very simple to do. And then just closing your eyes Mm -hmm. and focusing on your breath, even for five breaths, Mm-hmm. will will calm things down will give you will give you peace of mind there are some mindfulness apps on headspace for example they're free that you can download and and then use mm-hmm. and there's simple things that you can do for example having some healthy nutritious snacks which have no preservatives no chemicals maybe mm-hmm. a handful of nuts mm-hmm. some dried fruit fresh fruit mm-hmm. uh, drinking a glass of water if or you know if you don't like the taste of water but putting some fruit in there so you have that that uh, uh, fruit-infused water, which mm-hmm. is all natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think a healthy snack, getting up from your desk, walking around. If yeah. you're lucky to have a little garden outside, maybe taking a, a one-minute walk to the garden, mm-hmm. being there, breathing for a couple minutes, and then walking back, that break will be good. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some simple things you can do. Hydration, yeah. uh, mindfulness, mm-hmm. uh, nutrition. Um, breath work, yeah, stretching. Stretching would be perfect. Mm-hmm. You can do some simple yoga stretches, stand right. up, stretch, move the energy around, mm-hmm. and and then go back to your next patient. There's actually something that I have tried that I would like to share with you. Sure. What I try to do is I try to be mindful during my visits, and I know it's very hard to be mindful because you're trying to listen and document an epic mm-hmm. and click all the things you're supposed to be that you're supposed to click because if I don't click that I checked the allergies (laughs) or I did the med reconciliation, I'm in deep trouble, right? Right. Because I'm judged on that. So what I do before I walk into the room is I pause for literally five seconds. Mm -hmm. I say, I'm gonna focus on this patient that I'm gonna see right now. Mm -hmm. And I try to clear my mind of everything. Mm -hmm. And then I'm in that vein, I go in, I greet them, I make eye contact with them. And then I sit at the desk and then I apologize. I know I shouldn't do that. I say, I apologize and I'm not going to make eye contact with you, but I'm going to be looking at the screen. But remember that I'm paying attention to every word you're saying. Mm -hmm. And then I really try to block everything out but the patient for whatever the time that I'm there Mm -hmm. Um, and then go back. And I think that helps me because then I'm truly very focused Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tuned into whatever they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's easy to bring the stress of the last patient to the next yes. patient or the stress of what happened in between patients into the room. So I like that, taking a breath, yes. focusing on just what's in front of you at the moment. Yeah, before you open. And that's mindfulness in action. Mm-hmm. You know, when you learn about mindfulness, everyone knows you sit in a room, you close your eyes, you try to calm your mind down. Mm-hmm. But you can also be mindful when you're when you're working, mm-hmm. when you're working at home, when you're walking in, when you're brushing it. You just focus on what you're doing at that time and block out the other thoughts. And mm-hmm. when you block out the other thoughts, then your mind calms down. And then it's able to focus better when you want to focus it. Mm-hmm. Great. I love these practical tips. 
For clinicians who are interested in learning more about integrative health, you mentioned a lot of resources already, but are there other more extensive courses they can do or how would they become trained to perhaps do what you're doing and work in your program? So I did uh, the fellowship through the University of Arizona. It's a two-year online fellowship mm -hmm. with three residential weeks. Um, and it's a little expensive. It's 35000 but but it's a great program. Mm -hmm. There is another similar program through the Academy of Holistic Medicine mm -hmm. um, out of, I think, Portland, Oregon. Um, and that's a newer fellowship that started, but that's available to not just physicians and nurse practitioners, uh, which the Arizona one is, but that's available to any healthcare provider, okay. no matter what their background is. Um, so that's one resource. I think that we have resources here at CHOP that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and um, there are, I would suggest joining the AAP um, section on integrative medicine. Mm -hmm. um, I think they have 400 members right now, and okay. it's they've got a lot of vibrant um, uh, physicians in that committee. Um, and I think their goal is to make integrative medicine, um, you know, um, available to everyone. I think the NIH is a great website. So if mm -hmm. you have a question, I would go there mm -hmm. and look to see what the NIH says. So I think if, mm -hmm. if it, and that's the way to keep up, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. there are journals, uh, but pretty much they're not mainstream journals. So if there's an article that's really a good article in integrative medicine, it'll appear in JPs, it'll appear in PEDS, it'll appear in what I say, mainstream literature. Right, great. And how do we, uh, in primary care, refer patients to the integrative medicine program? So all you need to remember is integrative health, which is one word, mm -hmm. at email.shop.edu. Great. And you can, you can email in with any questions you have. We have someone who always answers the email, and then will send it to me or whoever it needs to go to within, within our group. So if it's an acupuncture question, it always goes to Dr. Chua. Mm -hmm. If it's a food reactions or GI or general question, I get it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing that I'm developing is I'm developing contacts in almost every subspecialty at CHOP of people who are um, interested in, in integrative medicine. Great. And through our PIMR, we're training different people. So we've trained someone on adolescent medicine. So if you have an adolescent who wants an integrative approach, mm -hmm. I'm, I can tell you who, cool. which, right, Great. right. So there's someone in, in diabetes now who's gonna start the training in neurology, uh, in adolescent medicine. I know someone in renal who's open-minded. So we are developing this network of mm -hmm. open-minded people. So that if you have patients who want to be seen by those physicians, mm -hmm. we can arrange that. Great, that's a great thing to know too. So thank you so much for explaining all of this to us and telling us about the wealth of resources that you already have at CHOP and all the, the future directions that you're going in. This has been very relaxing for me and I hope for the listeners as well, picking up some tips for uh, what they can do in their practice and with their patients. So thanks so much for all of that. Yeah, Katie, it's been a pleasure. Um, as you probably got and hopefully your listeners, um, establishing integrative medicine at CHOP throughout the entire enterprise is really a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is really the medicine that I want to practice, mm -hmm. and that's good medicine, and more and more patients are asking for. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to be able to uh, provide resources or education to as many people 
uh, as we can, um, mm -hmm. healthcare professionals, and then to touch as many patients and their families and staff, because we are doing stuff for staff as mm -hmm. well. Because I always say, if you don't have a staff that's healthy, how can we provide good care? Right. If we don't sleep at night, or how, how can we take care of our patients? And then how can we set a good example, mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah, you have to practice what you preach. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Great, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash podcasts for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.